Praise the Lord. Turn with me, if you would, please, in your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 5, please. Book of Mark, chapter 5. Hallelujah. Amen. The book of Mark. I just want to look at a few verses with you today. Praise the Lord. The book of Mark, chapter 5. And verse 20. And he departed. Let's uh, look at verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh by the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, or Jairus, however you want to say that, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she may live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she heard of Jesus. Now, what does the Bible say that Jesus was the what? Come on now. Jesus was the what? And, the, and it was made flesh and dwelt among us? Jesus was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, right? So when she heard of Jesus, that means she had to have heard of the Word. They didn't have written Word back then in the terms of New Testament like we have, but they would, she would have heard stories of what Jesus did. And because it's what Jesus did, it represents the Word, does it not? So really, we could say, and she heard the Word. And came in the press behind him and touched his garment for she said, obviously in her house before she came there, she said for, she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. So she, she heard the word, faith came, and then she said something in line with her faith, and then she did something in line with her saying. Okay, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or dunamis power had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and behold of thy plague. And while he was yet uh, speaking, there came the ruler of the synagogue's uh, house certain that said, Thy daughter is dead. Why trouble the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he comes to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith, Why do you make an ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when they had put, he had put them all out, he takes the father and the mother of the damsel that were with him, and entered in where, she, where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand. And said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. Well, I would imagine so. Praise God. Uh, now, would you look over, please, at the book of Luke? At the book of Luke. I believe it's chapter 6, but you're going to have to give me a second, because it's not in my notes here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Amen. Uh, 
And it says in verse 17, And he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue or dunamis power out of him and healed them all. Do you see a difference between Luke 6, 19 and Mark chapter 5? In both situations, there were a lot of people that were around Jesus, touching Jesus, thronging Jesus. Do you see that? But in the case of Mark with that woman, there was no virtue or power that went out of him except for one lady. But in this situation, the whole multitude was touching him, seeking to touch him, for there went power out of him and healed them all. Every single person that touched him was made whole. And do you know why that is the case? Because when there is a touch of faith, when somebody says in their heart and out of their mouth, I'm going to reach out, I'm going to trust and believe that what this man says is true and that he is God's man and that he's anointed of the Spirit. And if I just see, it's the, there's a touch and then there's a touch. There's a touch which is just a touch, but then there's a touch where you've said something in your heart, where you've said something with your mouth, and you say, Lord, I believe. I believe that as a point of contact of my faith, that when I touch power that is on that person is going to come out by the Holy Ghost and go into me and drive out sickness and disease. A whole lot of people touched, got nothing in Mark 5, and a whole lot of people touched and got everything in Luke chapter 6. Praise the Lord. And there is a difference. And it's called the touch of faith. Amen. 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 Now have a look with Acts chapter 10, please. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And verse 38, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. But let's have a look first, if you wouldn't mind, please, in verse 37. The word, I say ye know, that was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee. It began from Galilee. After the baptism with John preached. What is the word? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. This is the word. The Bible says here that it was published throughout everywhere. Basically all Judea, all the countryside. It was published everywhere. What is published? They didn't have publishing mills there. It wasn't being printed. What does it mean to say published? It was spoken. It was proclaimed or it was preached everywhere. And where did it start? It started in Galilee. And when did it start? After the baptism of John. Do you understand? So now have a look quickly at the book of Luke. Luke chapter 4. And you see here in 18... Praise God. Actually, let's look at verse uh, 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into where? Galilee. Where where had he just come from? The baptism of John. He had just been baptized. The Spirit of God fell upon him like a dove. The Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Forty days and nights he's being tempted of the devil. He's putting his flesh under. He's wrestling. Praise God. And he comes out of that fast which you see that fast ends in verse 13, and he returns in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. So that's where it started. He started his ministry in Galilee. 
This word was first published, began in Galilee. It was published everywhere, spoken everywhere, but it began in Galilee after the baptism of John. What's it talking about? Jesus was baptized. That was the starting point. That's where he was. The Holy Spirit fell on him. Then he went into the wilderness full of the Spirit, but came out in the power of the Spirit, comes into this area called Galilee where he starts his ministry. And right away, what does it say here? And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. They went out fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his habit, habit, custom, habit, that means he had good habits and he went to church. He didn't stay home. He went to church because it's good habit to go to church. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And he said, the spirit of the Lord, this is Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. And he's quoting it. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, what does it say? This word that was published throughout all Judea that began at Galilee after the baptism of John, what is it? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with dunamis virtue power. It went about doing good to all and healing all who were oppressed of the enemy. So that word was spoken everywhere. Who do you think it was spoken by? It's not spoken by the disciples because they're not preachers. Who's it spoken by? Spoken by Jesus. Jesus went everywhere, all over Judea. He went all over that countryside and he preached and he preached that he was anointed. Now, Acts is written by Luke after Jesus has died and rose again. So, and it's actually a sermon that Peter is preaching to Cornelius, who's the first Gentile, non-Jew, who's going to be born again and filled with the Spirit. And in his great sermon to the first Gentile, we're, we're number, I don't know, you know, how many hundreds of millions down the line. You know what I'm saying? But the first one was Cornelius and his household. And in that great first sermon that he preached, which is very close to Tel Aviv, we've been there, very close to Tel Aviv where he preached that first sermon, right by the seashore. And in that first sermon to Cornelius' house, a Roman and, 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 and a man of stature and, and authority, but a hunger for God, so looking, looking for truth. And he preached that sermon. And in that sermon, he gives this amazing summary. And this summary is, and he says to them, now listen, this summary, this is in Acts 10. This is the sermon to Cornelius. He said, now this was first preached in Galilee by Jesus. This was published throughout all over Judea when Jesus was alive. And Peter would have witnessed it because he traveled with Jesus. And it was after the baptism. In other words, as soon as he started his ministry, he started talking about this. And he's giving a summary in Acts 10, 38 of what Luke 4, 18 and 19 says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Do you see see what's happening here? Jesus is trying to let people know that God's anointed him. And if it was arrogant or wrong or inappropriate for, for somebody to say, for Jesus to say, I'm anointed, then Jesus wouldn't have done it because Jesus wasn't arrogant. Jesus wasn't arrogant and he wasn't full of himself and he wasn't prideful, but he had to get people to understand if you're going to get help from God, you've got to believe that there's an anointing on my life to help you. And he obviously did not consider that to be arrogant or, or inappropriate or he wouldn't have preached it not only once, he wouldn't have preached it everywhere he went, everywhere he went starting at the beginning of his ministry, starting in Galilee after he was baptized, he started saying this. And now watch with me what he says. We know the summary, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, with the Holy Ghost. And that's particularly, we won't get into it tonight, but that particularly means the Holy Ghost manifesting through him. 
and the Holy Spirit manifests through a human by gifts of the Spirit. But then there's also and, there's a distinction there, and power. The, you, people think it all means the same thing, but it doesn't. It's not just the Holy Ghost and power, meaning one simple, one, one combined thought. It's the Holy Ghost and, it's a separated, separating word, power. And there's a difference between the two. Now, we've been talking a bit about this in Bible school, but the Lord prompted, I wasn't planning on saying it tonight, but the Lord prompted me to just give a, uh, just off, off memory, I'm not reading anything to you, but in this, in this course, I'm reading it very specifically word for word. But basically, when Dad Hagen on September 2nd, 1950 in Rockwell, Texas was caught away, he heard the words come up hither three times. He looked up, there was Jesus where the, where the roof of the tent should have been. There was Jesus and, he, and, and his spirit went to him. Uh, he, he left, he, his body went up to him and he, he was with him in this, in the, in, uh, at the top of that you know, tent thing. And then the Lord said, we, we, we're going to the throne of God. And they started to go. Now he'd never flown in a plane in 1950. He first flew in a plane in 1953. So he didn't know what it felt like to move at that speed. And on his first aircraft flight with, his, with a minister friend, he said to the minister friend three years later, he said, ah, I know what this feels like. This has happened when I went with Jesus to the throne of God. The sensation of flying through the air at high speeds. He could see through the window of the airplane going through clouds. Well, he also went through clouds with Jesus. He went right with Jesus together and they started ascending up. And he said, I would go, I went right through the clouds. And he said, I was going higher and higher. And then the next thing I know, I'm in the throne of God. So I guess he didn't notice out of space, outer space or anything like that. There was just somehow a translation of some kind and he was at the throne of God. God the Father was standing about 14 feet behind Jesus on his left. He wanted so badly to look at God the Father and Jesus said, don't look at him, look at me. And for an hour and a half, he stood in the throne of God and Jesus spoke to him. And part of that hour and a half message, Jesus explained to him how the anointing works in healing the sick. And Jesus was explaining to him, I'm giving you the gist of it. If you want more, you've got to come to the school because that's where we have time to get into the nitty gritty. But the gist of it, Jesus explained to him, he quoted him Acts 10, 38. And he said, now there's a difference between the Holy Ghost and there's a difference between power. Power is that dunamis power, that virtue. It's a tangible anointing that came out of me, but it only operates when people have faith. But the, the Holy Ghost, quote unquote, he was anointed with the Holy Ghost. That's when the Holy Ghost does manifestations through me, which are called the gifts or according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and verse 4, the manifestations of the Spirit. The manifestations of the Spirit are the same as the gifts of the Spirit. When the gifts of the Spirit operate through Jesus, nobody had to have faith because it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It was just given to people. A gift is something given. You can see that at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus didn't come and try to build the man's faith. Right. He simply said, do you want to be healed? The man didn't even answer the question. Right. He should have just said yes. But what he said was, I can't get in the water. I guess that means I do want to be healed. But instead of just answering the question, yes, I want to be healed, he said, I, I can't get in. Every time I step in, somebody else comes in before me. Yeah. There was no, that, that's not an expression of faith. That's not an expression of, well, yes, I, I believe, I want to be healed, I believe I can. He just is complaining about the logistics yeah. that I can't get to where the healing is. Obviously, he wants to be healed. If he's been sitting there 38 years, he wants to be healed. Jesus doesn't lay hands on him. Jesus doesn't preach to him. Jesus doesn't teach. Jesus doesn't try to get him to believe. Jesus says nothing about his faith. Jesus says nothing about that he has to believe or that he has to have faith. He just says, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And the man rises and goes. Amazing, because that was the gift 
the gifts of healings in operation. He didn't have to have any faith. Jesus explained to Dathagen in that vision that that, exp- ex- that that story there about the pool of Bethesda was the whole, was I was anointed with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost could do things through me as he wills. Because 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 uh, and verse 11, it says, as he wills. It's not as we will. We can't decide when that's going to happen. But the Holy Ghost knows everything about everyone. And if he decides to do that, and you can't say, well, why did he do it for that person and not for that person? Because that's his business. You don't have to worry about that. That's his business. When he decides, he decided. There were five porches full of sick people. Jesus went up to one of them, only one of them, said, get up. And he walked off and left all the other five porches and all the other sick folks sitting there staring at him. Why didn't the Holy Ghost have gifts and operation for all those people? We don't know the answer. That's that's not the point. The point is the Holy Ghost led him to one person. Do you understand? And Jesus even explained this, if you read it in Mark 1 later, but he explained it to the people of Nazareth. He says, there were many people that were in need, many widows, but, but Elijah was only sent to one. And there were many lepers, but Elisha was only sent to one because both of them worked a miracle and those miracles required the gifts and the Holy Ghost was working miracles on, on a particular mission. There was individual people that were assigned in the Holy Ghost's mind that that widow's going to get it and that Naaman the Syrian leper is going to get it and that guy at the pool is going to get it. But but not everybody gets it. But there's good news. Jesus was explaining this to Dad Hagen. While that is one operation of the Holy Ghost is through the gifts of the Spirit as He wills and the person doesn't have to have faith and that you don't have to preach, you don't have to teach, you don't have to lay hands, you don't have to do anything. You just operate. He said, but there's another operation. He called it another aspect or another phase of ministry, meaning aspect, not like rooms and phases, but another aspect. And he said, that's called power. That's called virtue or dunamis power. But if this is going to happen, this can happen for anybody. See, gifts happen as the Holy Ghost picks people. But this can happen for anybody if they'll have faith. But they have to have faith because it's the hand of faith. It's the touch of faith that activates that dunamis power to cause it to flow and transmit or transfer into the person's body who is sick. So basically, we could say that God can heal anybody at any time as he wills through the gifts. But also anybody, anytime can get healed by faith, by dunamis power flowing because of their faith as they will, not as God wills. Do you understand? So this, this, this erroneous uh, doctrine that people have had that, oh, God heals people when he wants to, that's, that is partially true, but it's, not part, it's also partially not true. He can heal people when he wants to through the manifestation of the gifts as he wills. But he also will heal anybody that reaches out the hand of faith anytime they reach out the hand of faith. And that would only, it's only fair to be that way. Otherwise, it wouldn't be fair, Sandy. It wouldn't be fair for God just to pick that one and not pick that one. Now, he does when it comes to the operation of the gifts as he will, but he's already balanced the scales with the other operation called power. Anybody that reaches out the hand of faith, anybody that says, I believe, anybody anywhere that says, I believe, if they'll just say, I believe, the power of God will flow from God's, from God's hand directly into them. You can be in the Arctic Circle with the penguins dying and you can say, I believe and the power of God will find you and no minister needs to be present. Or you could be in a service where there is a minister present and you can say, I believe and God can hit you right in your seat. You don't even have to have anybody touch you or pray for you or speak a word over you because that hand of faith will cause that power to be transferred from heaven directly into your body. 
or if a minister is there anointed and you can believe that the anointing is on their life to minister to you, praise God. And you will, when they touch you or when they speak a word to you, because remember, it's not always touching. Jesus cast devils out with his word. Jesus healed people with his word. Remember with the centurion servant, he didn't touch him. He just said from this moment forward, your servant is whole. With a sour Phoenician woman, he didn't touch her. He just said, your daughter is whole from this hour. So sometimes he laid hands and sometimes he spoke. But whether, the, whether there's a touch or whether there's a command of faith from somebody that you'd know and trust is anointed to minister to you, if you'll just have faith in that anointing, not in the person. It's not the person that we're having faith in. The person can't do anything in and of themselves. The person is just like you in and of themselves. But if you'll have faith that God's anointed that person, then all of a sudden the anointing in that person's life will go into you. So Jesus said, uh, if you turn with me quickly, I'm just kind of going uh, as, as I feel prompted in my heart to. But if you just go quickly, because it's a different kind of flow tonight, and I knew there would be. But if you just go, uh, if you would, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just wondering where we should go next, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise, praise, praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's have a look over at the Syrophoenician lady. Can we just look at her? Because she really blesses me. In Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Praise God. I like this lady and Jesus liked her too. He liked her because he liked what he saw in her. Hallelujah. That anointing of healing power can work for anybody. Now, the reason I'm talking about this tonight is because I spent most of the day today going over sermons. I went through this sermon and I thought that's a good sermon for tonight and there was a no. I went through that sermon and that was a good sermon for tonight and I felt no. And I must have gone through, I don't know, 20 sermons. All of them were good and all of them would be a blessing and every one of them, the Holy Spirit said no. So I said, Lord, I've run out of sermons. Unless I want to pick something from last year or whatever, all the ones that are bubbling me for this season, I've, I've exhausted them and you're saying no to all of them. So maybe we'll just have a prayer meeting. And he said, no. I said, well, then, Jennifer, do you have something to preach? And she said, she said, no. And God said, no. I said, well, Lord, is there somebody else you want to preach? He said, no. I said, Lord, there's a whole awful lot of no's going on in this conversation. I said, I don't know what you want me to do. Do you want me to dance? What do you want me to do tonight? What, maybe we should have a worship service. He said, no. I said, well, Lord, please tell me what you'd like. And I heard him say in my heart very clearly more than once, different times throughout the day, I heard him say, there are people there tonight that are not well in their bodies and I want to heal them. So I just want you to be very simple. I don't want you to be complicated or try to make it too highfalutin and try to make it so deep revelation. I just want you to be very simple and just talk a few simple scriptures to remind them about releasing their faith. Why do we emphasize about the releasing of faith? Because the gifts can only operate as the Spirit wills. So there's nothing really you can do to get the gifts other than to show respect for them. But if the Holy Ghost chooses to give that to a minister or directly to, you know, from him directly to you, it's usually through a person. If he chooses to do that, that's his business. But that only applies to those, those few that the Spirit might will in that service, if anybody. Remember, there were five fortunes full and God only picked one. But the balancing scale is that he opens it up for anybody. Anybody can be healed by power. By power, not necessarily by the gifts, but by power, meaning the release of your faith for that power. 
Jesus said, okay, now you, you got to this now, Matt, Matt, don't let me forget, Taylor, Matthew 15 now, because you were trying to make me forget before, but now don't let me forget. Now, just quickly turn to Mark 6 here real quick, because I want you to see something here. And he went out thence and came into his own country and his disciples. Now, if you're sick tonight in any way, shape or form, sick mentally, sick physically, sick in any part of your body, any of your organs, anything, your skin, your hair, I don't care what it is. If, you're, if there's something not working right, then I want you to open up your heart and I want you to start to believe, okay? Because it's, it's not going to work for you if you don't believe. Do you understand? If you're a brand new Christian, you, you don't have to believe much. God will just give a lot to you just Almost, it's not for free, but almost for free. You still got to have some faith, but he'll just pour it on you because you don't know much. You haven't been around for long. But if you've sat under the word, most of you have for a while, he does expect you to release your faith because to whom much is given and much of you have been given much, there is requirements from God. So just if you're not well in your body, then open up your heart and just believe. And if you are well in your body, there might be somebody sitting beside you that's not well in their body. So just open up your heart and believe for them or believe in general that anybody here that is not well, praise God, will be well before they leave. Because we have a right to it because there is an anointing of healing power that is available tonight. Now we're not, go, promise of life is not going to be promise of Nazareth. And he went out thence and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying, from whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even, every, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon and not his sisters with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said, Unto them, a prophet is not without honor. In other words, it always, he always has honor, except in his own country, yeah. among his own kin, yeah. and in his own house. And he could there, he didn't say would, he could there do no mighty work. That's not a mistranslation of the English. That's what the Greek word says. It says not, I've looked it up and I've studied it at its root. It means not able to, yeah. impossible to. He could there do no mighty work, save he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and went about the villages teaching. What was he teaching when he went about the villages? Acts 10, 38. Yeah. Isaiah 61, 1. Yeah. He was, what, what did he teach when he first came into Nazareth? Well, he wouldn't have taught Acts 10, 38 because it hadn't been written yet. But he's teaching Isaiah 61, 1, of which Acts 10, 38 is a summary. He's saying to them, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, he did that to these, these folk the same as he did everywhere else. Yeah. But how come everywhere else had great manifestations, but these folks didn't? Yeah. Minor ailments, a few of them, that's all he could do. He could do. He said to Dad Hagen in the vision, he said, if I could have got the people in my hometown to believe that I was anointed, a lot more would have happened, but I couldn't get them to believe. They refused to believe because they were familiar with me. Now, he didn't use the word familiar in the vision, but I'm using that because that's what this means. It says they were offended in them. Why? Because they're saying, we know you. We're buddies with you. We saw you with a little kid. We saw you as a teenager. We saw you run away. We saw your mother spank you. We saw all this stuff. What do you mean you're this great person? Who do you think you are? We know who you are. We got you in a box. We're holding you in a box. You're going to be in that box the rest of your life. Nobody else saw him when he was a child growing up. So they had more honor. They could receive his anointing and they could believe him when he said, I'm anointed. But these folks couldn't. So did you notice the connection when, the, when they receive 
that when they believe that he's anointed and they can receive that anointing when he laid hands on them, power, that's the dunamis power, would come out of his hands into their body and drive out sickness. But if they didn't believe because they were, he marveled at how much unbelief they had. So if they didn't believe because they're offended at him because they're familiar with him. Then all of a sudden, when there's no hand of faith making a connection, there's no power or virtue flowing. Only a few people, about eight to ten people, because a few means eight. There was a few saved by water. Noah and his family was eight. So we, sum, we can surmise that a few is not 20 or 30. A few is just probably less than 10, somewhere in that vicinity. So out of a whole city, only a handful of people had a little bit of faith. Because if they'd had a lot of faith, they would have got more mighty works. But a little bit of faith on a few people, and just a few got healed with minor ailments. Why? Because they couldn't believe that he was anointed. It's as simple as that. But I want you to notice something that most people don't notice in verse 2. Do you notice here it says, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? But no mighty works were wrought by his hands in Nazareth. So what are the Nazarenes talking about? What do you think they're talking about? He's in the synagogue teaching. This is during his, this is after he's finished his message. This is while they're taking the love offering. <laughs> he's done his message and they're saying to themselves, uh, who, who is he that such mighty works are wrought by his hands? What mighty works are they talking about? The mighty works that he told them about in the sermon. Yes. Otherwise, what other mighty works could they know about? They're not seeing any in person. Nothing happened in Nazareth, but they're talking about mighty works. What do you think Jesus was doing? Jesus, when he got up to preach, said, I'm anointed to help you. God's given me an anointing to help you. If you believe in that anointing and receive that anointing, you can be free. You can be healed. You can be helped. And let me tell you what happened over here. This person over here believed, and this is what happened to them. Let me tell you what happened over here. This person believed, and this is what happened to them. And he's telling them stories of mighty works of people that believed. That's why they're saying, wow, these amazing things in his ministry. Who, do you, who does he think he is? We know who you are. You're nothing but the carpenter's son. But he was telling them, did you notice that? We have scriptural evidence that telling stories in a sermon helps build faith. He was telling stories to help build their faith. He was telling occasions of mighty works that had already happened in other locations so that they would lift up their heart and say, if you can do it there, you can do it here. If you can do it for them, you can do it for me. You said you're anointed. I, yeah, I noticed you grow up here, but that doesn't matter. I can't deny these mighty works. I believe that God's anointed you and I release my faith in that anointing. And I, will believe, I believe I receive that anointing when you lay hands on me. And he laid hands. It could have been many sick folk, but it was a few. It could have been mighty works, but it was only a few minor ailments. But did you notice it didn't have nothing to do with the gifts. It came down to their faith. Because the gifts, you never know when that's going to happen. But the faith is applicable to every person. Every person. I'm almost done. Matthew chapter 15, if you'd be so kind. Matthew chapter 15. Praise the Lord. And it's much easier for you to be uh, engaged and believe the anointing on Pastor Nancy yeah. or on Brother Jerry because yeah. you don't see them very often. Right. 
When they come in here and they're old and they're wise, well, older, Pastor Nancy would punch me if she heard me say that. They're older than me. They're wiser. They've been in ministry longer. They've got bigger ministries, bigger money, bigger this, bigger that, bigger everything, better everything. And they come and you don't see them very often. And they waltz in and float in because they're beautiful. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that they float in like butterflies. Then they sting you like a bee with the power of God. And then they float out. They blow in and blow up and blow out. And you just like, wow, this is wonderful. And, you, and there's an honor for them because you recognize God has anointed them because you don't see them very often, so you're not as offended with them. But if she were to hang out with you all the time and you were to see her every week and she were to talk to you in the counseling and correct you, well, I didn't really like that. I don't appreciate the way you said that. I don't really appreciate the way Pastor Nancy said it to me. You know, and she didn't say hi to me in the hallway. What is she? She must be offended with me. The longer she hung out here, it's human nature, Taylor. The who uh, starts to drift away. Because sooner or later, you figure out she's just a normal person like you. But when you don't see her in that vein all the time, it's easier to say, wow, she's anointed because there's no familiarity. It's easier to honor. Jesus said, you always have honor where people don't know you. I didn't make it up. Jesus said it. But where people know you, they can't honor you. That's why it's very hard for ministers to get their family members saved or healed because they know you. Wait, Jesus said, you'll always have honor except when folk know you. So best to go where they don't know you. Because if they don't know you, they'll, they'll just be, they've got no preconceived notion. They haven't put you in a box. They haven't judged you. And if you say they're anointed and there's power to prove that, they'll believe and they'll get healed too. But if they know you and they see all the, everything in your life, the ups and downs and everything, which is what happens with a pastor... When they know you too well, they can't really believe. So that is why it is harder for people in a church to get healed to a pastor than it is a traveling minister. That's one of the reasons God sent traveling ministers into the body of Christ, because he knows human nature, Reverend Sandra, and the people in the congregation will respond better to the traveling minister than their pastor because they don't know the traveling minister, but they know their pastor. But we've still got to have pastors because you've got to, you need somebody to be with you all the time. So the real marker of a spiritual person is can you get healed under the pastoral ministry? Can you look past the I'm familiar, past the I've seen it all, I know, I did, 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 all, all of that. Can you, can you beat the odds? Because Jesus said if they know you, they don't honor you. That's, that, that's a summary here of Mark 6, verse 4 and 5. If they know you, they don't honor you. But that doesn't mean that's a rule, that it has, has to be that way. He was trying to get the people that knew him to honor him. So if it was a foregone conclusion, why even go? Why even preach? But he's there. He's trying to break that. He says, I know if you know me, you don't honor me, but I still believe that you can honor me. Let me tell you what God's been doing in this city, in that town. Let me tell you that I'm anointed. Forget about my childhood. Look at me now. He obviously believed that you could get over this familiarity and get into a faith and into an honor. Otherwise, he wouldn't have wasted his time preaching in Nazareth. But he, Jesus, the Son of God, could not break through. Jesus, the one that we've been taught, can do anything, anywhere, anytime. He can, but all of it is based on people's faith, so therefore he can't. And Jesus said to Dan Hagen, people thought that I healed people everywhere I went. And he said, I didn't. He said, there are some occasions where everybody got healed, but there were some occasions where very few got healed. And Nazareth is one of them because it's not just about the Holy Ghost falling on people all the time. It's about people believing. If I could get them to believe, 
If I can get them to believe, I can help them. But if they won't believe, I can't help them. And if the Son of God can't help Nazarenes, then it's not so, I shouldn't be so hard on myself if I can't help you. Do you understand? Because you know me. You see me. It's harder to honor. It's harder to believe somebody's anointed when you know them. But the Lord still said to me tonight, which I didn't expect him to, but after he said, no, 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 no. He said, there are people sick in their bodies. This applies to folks at home and folks in the building. And I want you to be very simple. Don't take, don't take a super long time. Just simply tell them that if they can believe that I've anointed you, if they can believe that I've anointed you, it might not be as dramatic with me as it was Dad Hagen going to the throne of God. But that doesn't obviously really matter, does it? Because uh, very few people have gone to the throne of God. And there are many ministers and God still expects the people to believe that those ministers are anointed whether they've had those dramatic experiences or not. Are you with me? Yes. Look now with me in, in Matthew 15. Now this lady here, remember, can I say this? The Holy Ghost with gifts only operate according to scripture, where God, where, where the Lord is leading or directing a minister on a particular mission and assignment to a particular person. Okay? It could be a group. The gifts could operate in a group form or an individual form. But it's as the Spirit wills, so the Spirit has to will, and many times the Spirit will lead and guide. It's one of the reasons we know the man with the gatherings was cast out by the gift of faith. First of all, because a crazy person, you usually need more than your faith to cast it out because it's a very serious, high-powered situation. Yeah. But we know it was the gift of faith because a lot of people have said, well, I don't know if it was the gift of faith. Dad Hagen always said it was the gift of faith. It wasn't just Jesus' faith. But the reason we know that is because Jesus was sent there on a mission by the Holy Ghost because he said, let us go over to the other side. And the devil knew where he was going and knew the mission and tried to destroy it with the storm. There was a mission. There was an assignment. When he got there, he didn't try to get the man to believe. He didn't try to preach or teach. He just cast it out. Do you understand? That was by the gift of faith that he cast that devil out. But, but so when there's a specific assignment, so the assignment for Elisha was to one leper called Naaman the Syrian. And the assignment to Elijah was to one widow. Although there were many widows in Zarephath. And that's, you can find that in the book of, uh, of, of Luke chapter 4. Jesus talks that after he does, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, then he says that. There were many widows and there were many, there were many lepers. So he's trying to explain there's specific missions. Now let me ask you a question. When Jesus came to earth, who was his mission? His mission was the Jews. The house of Israel. His mission was not other countries. So do you understand that that automatically means that no one from other countries could have the gifts of the Spirit work for them while in his earthly ministry? Because they're not part of his mission. The Holy Ghost sent him to one nation and one house called the house of Israel. If other people from other nations wanted it, they could not have by the gifts, by the Holy Ghost just falling because it was only for the Jews under his ministry. When he died and rose, it opened up to the world. But under his ministry, it was just that one nation. That is why he couldn't heal the centurion or the Syrophoenician by gifts. The Holy Ghost was not going to prompt to heal that servant or to heal her daughter because they're not the mission. The mission is Israel, so the gifts only operated in Israel. 
Thank God the mission is now the world so it can operate anywhere. But I'm letting you know that that's why he, you see, that's why the two people that he comments the strongest about are foreigners. He says the centurion's got greater faith than anyone in Israel. And he says about the Syrophoenician, oh woman, oh woman, not woman, oh woman, great is thy faith. He didn't talk about great faith with regular Jews. He talked about it with foreigners. Why? Because he knew you can't get it by just the Holy Ghost giving it because you're not the mission. You're not part of the house of Israel. I can't help you. The only way I can help you is if you believe. And you're going to have to have some serious faith because he could not go to their homes. Now, Jesus was going to break tradition and go to the centurion's home, even though it was illegal. Right? He was also going to break tradition and did break tradition by ministering to the lady with the issue of blood because that was illegal. She was unclean. And it was, it was by, you, it was illegal to touch a leper. That's against the law. And he touched the leper. Jesus was a rule breaker. Hallelujah. Meaning, not, not, not to drive 200 kilometers on the highway when the cop says, well, my pastor said Jesus was a rule breaker, so I'm a rule breaker too. That's not what I'm talking about. Religious tradition. Tradition says you can't touch the leper. And he says, well, I'll do, what, I'll do what I see the father do. And he saw the father touch the leper. So God was breaking rules because God's bigger than the rules. He healed people on the Sabbath because it was not about the Sabbath. It was about the person. And all this religion was muddling all that nonsense up. Do you understand? So he's, he's he looking at the Syrophoenician woman. He knows she's not the mission. He knows she has to have faith. Now read with me. And it says here in Matthew chapter 15, Praise God, have I lost it? I did tell you Matthew 15, didn't I? Where is it, brother? And Jesus went thence and departed, verse 21, to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy upon me, O the Lord, thou son of David. She's talking covenant words, but she ain't part of the covenant. Now, blind Bartimaeus said, Have mercy on me, son of David, but he's a covenant man. So he's allowed to say that she's not. But she's talking it anyway. <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he answered her not a word. He ignored her because she's not part of the mission. And his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she cries after her. She's annoying us. The ushering department wanted to evict her. But he answered and said, I am not sent unto the lost sheep. I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, you're not part of my mission, lady. Then she came. She could have just quit right there. But then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Praise God. Now, that alone wouldn't have got the job done. Lord, help me. Lots of people say, help me. <laughs> that's, not, that's not faith yet. But he answered her and said, he's twice now, it's not right to take the children's bread, the Israelites' bread, and cast it to dogs meaning that you're not of the house. Okay? It was an insulting term, yes. Uh, I won't say that. I'd like to tell you the real reason why, but I can't because there's children in the room because it's sexual in nature. But this, the, the people from her country did certain things that were so perverse sexually that the Jews would call them dogs because of sexual perversion. They acted like dogs sexually. So this word, dogs, he is referring to what all the Jews called those people. He is not personally insulting her. 
Everybody called them dogs because they were so uh, aberrant in their sexual appetites and so anti-God's word. Do you understand? He's not just picking a term here because he decides to call somebody a dog. That's not, that's not Jesus' heart. It was a common statement to say these people are dogs. Everybody called them dogs. So he is com- he's just doing what's normal. She's used to being called that by Jews. So it's not shocking to her. Okay? If you want to study that, that's the truth. He said, I can't give what belongs. The mission is the children, not you. But this lady is amazing because she says, yeah, that's true, Lord. She didn't argue. It doesn't help to argue with somebody when you want something from them. Lord, that's true. That's true. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Uh, I may not be the mission, but I'll get the scraps. Thank you, sir. Thank you, please. The scraps are mine. I mean, that is just, that is masterful. I mean, this lady got the son of God. She got him. He just told her twice, no. But she was so desperate. I'll I'll be a dog. You want me to be a dog? I'll be a dog. You want me to be a pig? I'll be a pig. But the pigs get scraps and the dogs get crumbs and I'm going to get it one way or the other. I ain't leaving until I got it. Now you see that? That's called the hand of faith. That's called the touch of faith. That's called insult me, say what you want. I may not be the mission. I don't care. I'm not leaving until I get it. You're you're anointed and you've got power and I need it and I'm, I'm reaching out my hand. Mission or not, I'm getting something tonight. And when she said that, Jesus said, Oh woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from the very hour. Mark 7 is the parallel story. And it said she went home and within that hour, her daughter was laid upon the bed calmly, having been delivered from that evil spirit. Which obviously means she was pacing and she was, she was out of her mind. But now she's lying quietly and still. And, and Jesus didn't lay hands. He didn't come to her house. He didn't do nothing. He, she she got it by her faith. The woman with the issue of blood got it. He said, daughter, thy faith, not my faith, thy faith, not the gifts. Thy faith has made thee whole. He could have said to this lady, thy faith has made thee whole. He said to the centurion, I've not even seen anybody with such great faith. Go, your servant as well. The hand of faith can get amazing things done. You don't have to wait for the Holy Ghost just to show up because you don't know when he's going to show up or to who he's going to show up to because it's as he wills. But you can always get it by faith. Jesus said to Dad Hagen in heaven, this virtue, this dunamis power by the hand of faith will work in every situation, every time, everywhere. He said, if, even if they have a little bit, you can get small things healed. And if they have a lot, you can have mighty works. Because that power, God wants it to flow. He wants it to flow. Hallelujah. That lady in India that had been sitting at the gate, Jesus came to her in a vision and she's dying. She was the witch. Once a year, a a ball of fire the size of a basketball would descend from the sky and the whole village would watch it. And it would descend descend out of the sky and hover over her house. And she called it the death angel. And every year she had to pay a price for her witchcraft power. And when she'd wake up the next morning, every year something had died. She had to sacrifice with death to this demon spirit to keep having power. Her child died one year. Her animal died another year. I mean, every year there was death. It was the price she had to pay. The whole village knew she was the witch because they saw that ball of fire. She would curse people and they would drop dead. They were absolutely terrified of her. This is real stuff. But Aubrey, the man of God, was going through the jungle and comes to the village and begins to preach Jesus. And everybody else sloughed him off. But this lady, 
heard about this power that he's talking about because he told her the story of the man that was cursed by another businessman who went to a witch just like her. And that businessman paid the witch money and she cursed his, his, his competing, the guy that was competing with him in business. And he went to bed one night normal and he woke up the morning the next morning insane because the witch cursed him. And he was out of his mind. He ripped his clothes off. He went running through all the bush, just like the Gadarene man. Naked, bleeding. He saw a train coming and he ran head on into the train. The train ran him over, but the power of the devil caused him to keep living. They caught him and they chained him with chains and they hung him upside down by the tree by his feet. And as the, as the Indian custom is, they whipped him to what the whites of his bones showed and then put the special pink smoke on him because in their Hindu religion, that pink smoke mixed with blood causes evil spirits to leave. And after they'd whipped him to the whites of his bones and covered him with pink smoke, he was as crazy as he was before. And he broke the chains. And they were terrified of him. He would have killed people if he could have. He, they, were, they would shoot at him and he would run and they were hunt, hunting parties out to kill him. This is a crazy person. So they set a trap for him like they do for animals and they caught him in the trap. And they caught him and they knocked him over the head and knocked him out. And they tied him up, hog tied him. And they took him to the only place that was like a stronger facility which was a church, ironically. And they put bars on the windows because it didn't have bars. And they put a bar on the, on the door and they, and they, un, and they unhooked, and they didn't unhook him. He woke up and broke the chains that they had hogtied him with. And he's trying to get out and he can't. And he's, and, and he's howling and screaming. And, and they said, what are we going to do? We, we, the, the train couldn't kill him. If we shoot him, he won't die. What are we going to do? Do we leave him here forever? And somebody said, I've heard about a preacher. Ah, preacher, whatever. No, no, listen, I've heard about a preacher. We need to call him. He might be our only hope. So they call Aubrey. And they say, would you come and help us? So he comes and he sees the man. He said he was swinging from the lights like a monkey. And growling like a lion. And he said, I'm going to get some help. I'll be back. He went and got four pastors. You need to come with me. The four pastors saw him, looked at Aubrey and said, what, what are you doing? He said, we're going to cast the devil out. This is a man of the gatherings right here. He says, now you follow me. The last one, you lock the door behind you. So he walks in the room and he hears a couple of seconds later, he hears the door close and lock. So he turns around to talk to the pastors and he's alone. Those four, those four nuts put him in there and locked him in there. He told me this personally to my face. I said, Brother Aubrey, what did you do? He said, well, I just believe the Bible that says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so I commanded that monkey, that man that acted like a crazy monkey. I said, you come down here. And he came down and he said, I command you, come out of him. And that devil ripped him, tore him, and then he fell down as though he was dead. He picked him up. He wiped him clean of all his blood and all his feces and all his filth. He clothed him. The man opened his eyes, said, where am I? Who, what are you, who are you? Why am I naked? He said, a witch cursed you. And you've been crazy for months. He had no memory of anything. He remembered going to sleep. He doesn't remember anything else. He went back to his family, back to his business, back to his wife and children, completely healed. Because somebody had the courage to go and say in Jesus' name. So he's telling that story to different places in the villages. 
And the witch hears him tell the story. She knows her power. She knows she can curse people and they die. She knows that she's done similar things that that other witch did. So she challenges him because she's got like now a, she's got power and apparently he's got more power than her because the one that can cast the devil out's got more power. That witch put the devil in him, but the minister cast the devil out. So whichever one is the victor is the one could evict the devil. So she's fascinated at who is this man that has more power than me? And what kind of price does he have to pay? I give something of life every year. And he talked to her about the name of Jesus being stronger than the name of the devil. And she was the only convert in that village, knelt down on her knees, gave her heart to Jesus. He cast the devils out of her and she was free. And when, when you, Jesus said, when you've been forgiven much, you love much. And she loved Jesus with every fiber of her being. And all the instruments she used to play to worship Satan, she now worshiped Jesus with them in her living room. And the instruments she used to do human, uh, not human, but animal sacrifice, she used those to worship God. And everybody hated her. Her husband turned against her. They were afraid of her as a witch, but now they hate her as a Christian because it's a Hindu community. And I'm talking six hours into the jungle from Nagpur. Nagpur is the geographic center of India. You go six hours into the jungle from the geographic center, no white people have ever been there before. I was the first one in that area. They had signs with a picture of a tiger and some weird word. I said, Robert, what does that sign say? He said, don't worry about it. I said, no, what does that sign say? Don't worry about it. I said, what does the sign say? He says, enter at your own risk. I said, are we okay? Do you have a gun in the car? He goes, I've got the name of Jesus. I said, okay, brother. I'm, I'm trusting you now, brother. I'm trusting you now. And that lady, everybody hated her and her husband turned against her and the community turned against her because now they are persecuting her. They were afraid of her, but now they're persecuting because Christians can't kill people. They didn't touch her before because she'd curse them and they'd die. But now that they know that she doesn't have that kind of power, but she's got another kind of power, now they can, they can prod her because she won't curse them because you can't curse as a believer. Do you understand the difference? They take advantage of you. Then the malaria sweeps through, sweeps through. People are dying by the thousands. She catches it. She can't walk. When you get advanced stage malaria, you can't walk, you can't cook, you can't do anything. You lie there and you die. If you don't get medical help, it's fatal. And her husband said, cook yourself. You Christian, cook yourself. Her children turned against her. Cook yourself. They wouldn't feed her. She was lying with 106 fever, dying. The only believer in that village. Nobody loves her, no church. Aubrey is her pastor. He only sees her once a month because he goes every day to different villages and there's so many villages he has to minister, he can only get to her once a month. So she gets one sermon a month. And he, she doesn't know exactly when he's coming because it's not on a timetable like ours. But she knows about a month is coming now, a close to. And she's lying there and she's dying. She's dying. She's going to die, Sandy. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. She's going to die. And Jesus walks into her room. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. And Jesus says, in three days... Three pastors and a pastor's wife will come. One of them will lay their hands upon you and you will be healed. She said, Lord, I believe. So she waited the first day, the second day. At the dawn of the third day, she crawled without, it took her all day from dawn till dusk to get to the gate. Pulling herself inches at a time. She was so weak. And that day, I remember that day, Lorraine. That day was 46 degrees Celsius. That was a hot day. 
and she is in that sun with 106 fever, pulling herself down the dirt one inch at a time. Took her all day to get to the gate. There are animals that will eat you at night in those areas. It's dangerous to be outside. It is. She got to the gate. She got out to the outside of the gate. The gate was closed behind her. They come and close the gate every night, the elders of the city. They saw her there. They hate her. They leave her. They know the animal's going to get her. She's, lying, she's sitting against the gate with her legs out, and she's looking down the path. And the gate's there. It's dark. She's dying. And she kept saying, Lord, you said three pastors, and a pastor's wife would come. One would lay his hands on me, and I would be healed. I don't see them, but I believe. And we'd been preaching every six villages that day in 40-plus degree weather. I was exhausted, Sandy. I mean, ex beyond exhausted. And we're done the last village. It's about 8 p.m. at night, and Aubrey looks at me, and he says, we got one more place to go. I said, no, sir, I am exhausted. Please take me back. I've got to sleep. He says, the Holy Ghost says one more. I said, I don't have any witness about that. He says, brother, I know the Holy Ghost. He said, one more. I said, okay, lead the way. And we're driving. I mean, black. Talk about black. Like, you put your hand like this, you can't see it. In the jungles, it is black. And we're going down this jungle road in about 9.30 at night. It's a long way over there. You go drive real slow. And, he's, and he sees and he goes, he says something in India. I don't know what he said. And I looked and I said, what are you talking about? He said, I see there's an animal up there. He said, get, get the gun. Because he did have a gun. He told me he didn't, but he did. <laughs> he said, get the gun. And, and, and so they're getting the gun ready. Because you see those animals. That could be a, a, a tiger. So they're getting the gun ready, and, and, he, and, he's, and he said, but it's kind of low and it's not moving because you can pick up eye shine afar off when it's that dark. And he gets closer, and he gets closer, and he goes, I think that's a person. I think that's the gate. And so he speeds up this truck that we're in, and he, and he says, oh, my God, that's, that's her. That's the woman. That's the convert. And he jumps out, and he runs to her, and he's kneeling down, and, and she's so, I mean, she's almost dead. I mean, she's just like, she, she can barely talk. She's at the right, at the very, I mean, I don't think she, she wouldn't have lasted the night. She's that weak. And she's whispering in her language. And he's talking. And, she's, and he listens. And he talks. And he's getting more excited. And he talks. And, he, and I'll be honest, I'm such a flesh bucket because I'm so tired. And I'm not interested in, in who wants what and family reunion. I'm just exhausted. I didn't even want to come here. So I said out of frustration a little bit, I said, Aubrey, could you hurry it up a little bit, please? Because I, I, feel, I feel so bad to this day for saying that. Because I, just, I was tired, Lorraine. I want to keep going with this chatting business. And he starts to cry. And then I thought, oh, God, here we go. More, now there's tears. What is going on here? I'm getting more annoyed as the time goes by. And then, and then he looks at me with tears in his eyes. And he tells me, this is the lady. This is the witch. I said, oh, oh, oh. She's dying. Oh, I could tell she's dying. And he said, Jesus came to her three days ago. And said, in three days, three pastors and a pastor's wife will come. And one of them will lay hands on them. And I says, well, of course. I praise God. I, well, yes, I, I know. I knew that we were supposed to come here. I knew this was the will of God. And you just take your time. I, I'm not in any rush. <laughs> that ain't right. That ain't right. Now, his head pastor, who's over the whole region, the whole province, got sick and had to stay back that day. So his wife came instead. His wife came, and there was me, and there was a pastor from Iran, and there was a pastor from somewhere else in Africa. There was four past uh, th uh, three pastors and the pastor's wife. Right? And so... Aubrey says, <laughs> he says, uh, Pastor Craig, uh, are you the leader of our team? And I said, I don't know. I thought you were the leader of the team. 
He says, no, you're the senior minister. You've come the farther, the, the furthest. None of these other pastors came as far as you to minister to these people. You come from across the ocean. He said, I nominate you the leader. I said, okay, what does that mean? I don't know where he's going with this. And he said, well, if Jesus told her that three pastors and a pastor's wife is going to lay hands on you, then you're the leader. So you're the one that should lay hands on her. And she's looking at me. I remember she's just looking at me like this. She's just staring at me right in the eye. She can't move. She can barely talk. And so I walk over to her. I'm talking about dunamis power. This wasn't the gifts of the Spirit. I talk, this is about faith. Faith will touch power. And I walked up to her and I said to her, through him translating, I said very gently, I said, my sister, I said, you know that Jesus has sent me to you. And she nodded her head very slowly. I said, I'm going to lay my hands upon you. And Jesus is going to heal you. And she went, whatever she's saying. And he comes and he says, I said, what is she saying? She said, she says to tell you, Please, Pastor, don't waste your whole hand. Just give me one finger. One finger is enough. At that point, man, I started crying. And I remember, I'll never forget, Sandy, uh, this is in the middle of the dark. I mean, the village, the gates locked. I mean, and I put my index finger on her forehead, and I said, Lady, according to your faith, your faith, According to your faith, be it unto you. And I touched her. I don't know what it was, Errol, but something came out of my finger when I it went like that. It felt like electricity came out of my finger. I mean, as soon as I touched her, I mean, just touched her, boop, like that, not hard. So went out and she went, boom, and she jolted like that. She jolted and she opened her eyes like, 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 and she jumped up on her feet. I mean, she's about to die. She jumped up. I'll never forget it. She jumped. She didn't need anybody to help her. It was instantaneous healing. No process, not 30 seconds, not five seconds, not two seconds. The instant that power went into her, she jumped up to her feet and she started dancing and screaming. She danced all the way around the truck. I danced with her. The other pastors danced with her. God instantaneously healed her. And then, of course, I'm exhausted still, so I'm trying to politely say goodbye so we can leave. Oh, you can't do that. That's against their culture. You must come. I used to serve Satan. Now I serve Jesus. I want to feed you from the cups I used to serve Satan from. So I go to her house. You know how long it takes them to make this food? Lorraine, an hour. I'm sitting there on the dirt. She has her own little place because her husband kicked her out. She's got her own little tiny hut. And she's cooking the japatis and all this stuff. And she's singing. She's singing. I said, Audrey, what is she? She's worshiping the Lord. She says, tell him. Look at that instrument there. I used to worship Satan. Tell him to play that while I make the japatis. So I've got the little thing. I'm going, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, was trying to, I couldn't play. I didn't know how to play this. And then she serves me in the special bowl. She said, this is what I did blood sacrifice in here. And I remember I looked at Aubrey and I said, can I have another bowl? Do I have to have the blood sacrifice bowl? He said, you'll insult her. Don't. We've sanctified it with the blood of Jesus. So I'm eating the jabatis. I'm eating the stew or whatever that thing she made. I didn't even want to look at it. Thank God the dim was very dim light. I didn't even know what was in it. But I'm eating it. And she's sitting there and she said, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. I knew Jesus wasn't going to let me down. I knew when he told me somebody would come, they would come. They all hate me here. I used to worship Satan, but now I worship Jesus. Jesus has greater power than Satan. And she's preaching to us. I'll never, that, that marked me. I'll never forget that night as long as that. I almost missed it by my flesh. Thank God for Aubrey that didn't have flesh. 
Because tiredness can make you miss the will of God. I'm simply trying to tell you, I'm not anything special. <laughs> there was another lady, I went, I, I went to another crusade in another town. And they said, Pastor Craig Field is coming up to preach. So I preached, just short, 10 minutes. It's on a big stage with lots of people there in India. And then this lady comes for the prayer line. And she stops and she says to me uh, in English, she says, uh, I knew you were coming. I said, what do you mean you knew I was coming? She says, Jesus came to me three days ago and said to me, Craig, Craig, Craig. And she said, I don't know anyone named Craig. That's not an Indian name. She was, she was very seriously ill. And the Lord said to her, Craig, Craig, Craig. She didn't know what that meant. She wasn't healed, nothing changed. Then she was invited to the crusade. And when they said, would you invite Pastor Craig Field to come up? She said, Jesus, you were talking to me about him. So she came up and said, just put your hand on me. Jesus has already told me your name, that you, nothing is special about my name or nothing special about me. But Jesus knew that power was coming. And they didn't have enough teaching to know how to get it directly from God. So they, they were looking to ministers. You have more teaching. You can get it directly from God. They had never been taught that. So Jesus is going to go with her measure of faith. He's going to work with where she's at. Do you understand? And so he knew that she couldn't get it without a minister there because that's not what they're taught over there. So he said, not, none of the other pastors were, were flowing in that. So he, he wasn't that he necessarily wanted to honor me so much. I'm the only one there that could do that, that believes for that. And so those kind of situations happened over and over again. Supernatural things where Jesus was preparing the way ahead of me. And when I got there, the people were ready. They were ready for, they were ready not because I'm important, but because Jesus knew my minister is coming with my dunamis virtuous power. If they will simply believe that I've anointed him to lay hands on them, I will heal them of whatever it is. And the greater they believe, the more dramatic and instantaneous the healing. And the less they believe, the less dramatic and instantaneous the healing. And it's just like what we see in the Bible. Now, I'm actually in a higher office and have more experience and know God better and love God more than those days back when I was 20 years old. That's 20 years old. Long time ago. And I, and I don't want time to erode boldness. I don't want time to make me too satisfied. I want to keep hungry and on the cutting edge, not the jagged edge, not weird doctrine, but the cutting edge to say, Lord, I want to see your power just as much as we saw your power then. And we have many, many, many times since then. So I want to encourage you tonight. If you are not well in any part of your body, why am I telling that story of a mighty work? Because Jesus told the people in his hometown, mighty works, so that they would believe. Don't look at me as though I'm just a person. I am just a person. It's nothing special. But the Bible says in Romans 13 to magnify your office. I magnify that office and I magnify that anointing. And it is here tonight. When Jesus sat in that house, the Bible says the power of God, the dunamis virtue of God was present to heal. And that only that guy that came down to the rafters had faith to reach out and take that power. And he did. And he got healed. But there was power present. And I'm telling you, not, we can have healings in any service, and we often do. But when God specifies a service and consecrates it and separates it just for healing, that means that there is power present to heal if you will reach out the hand of faith. Amen. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we give you praise.
and we give you worship, Lord Jesus. Lord, I didn't expect tonight to be this way. Normally we teach on a Wednesday night, but Lord, I thank you for separating this evening for the purposes of healing, for the purposes of health and, and strength to help their bodies and help their minds. You love them so much, Lord Jesus. I thought maybe 10 or 20, I didn't know so many. But Lord, you knew that obviously there was great need. And that's obviously why you led this way tonight on this Wednesday. I thank you, Father, that they release their faith and continue releasing their faith. That they won't speak against what has happened. That they won't, if they didn't feel something, that they won't say it didn't happen or nothing happened. Those words will stop the power of God. They will keep the switch of faith turned on and they'll say, Father, thank you that I reached out the hand of faith when, Lord, I made contact with that dunamis power tonight. When Pastor Craig ministered to me, power went into my body and to make me whole and to make me healed. And I thank you it's working in me right now. Say that before you go to sleep. It's working in me right now. Say it when you're driving home. It's working in me right now. Say it right now in your seat. It's working in me right now. I don't need to feel anything. I need to believe. I believe that he's anointed. I receive that anointing. And I thank you that my, my faith reached out as a contact point and power has gone into me. And in Jesus' name, it is working an effect and a healing and a cure. And I will be well. Every bit whole in Jesus' name. You maintain that and hold fast to that and you'll see it might be quick, it might be by process, it might be instant, but it will surely come to completion if you'll just stand your ground. Hallelujah. And don't be moved so quickly by symptoms. Don't be moved by symptoms. You feel uh, some kind of a little hurt here, an ache there, a pain there, and then you start getting over into doubt and unbelief. No, 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 just ignore that stuff. Remember what the Bible says in Romans 4? It said that, 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 that Grandpa Abraham considered not his body or the deadness of Sarah's womb. So you don't look at your body and you don't look at how you feel and you don't look at what symptoms you have. You just keep saying, Lord, I praise you that healing power is working in me. Listen, I've done this so many times for my personal healing when ministers have laid hands on me or when I just receive it directly from God because there's no ministers around to lay hands on me. And I just take it by faith and I just, uh, it don't matter. In fact, sometimes the devil will make the symptom, he'll turn up the heat. He'll make it worse. You'll feel worse. Sometimes I've woken up the next morning feeling worse. That, that is actually a sign that it's working. Because he's trying to get you to say something wrong. So he's turning up the symptom. And I just say, I ignore you. I don't consider my body. I'm healed. The power of God's working in me. And usually within a very short period of time, I'm totally well. All the symptoms have gone. So he's trying to get your mouth to disagree with your heart with the way you feel. Don't let feelings change your confession. Keep your confession and your heart one. The power went into you tonight according to your faith. Tonight was about your faith. Other times, the healing, there's more of the gifts in operation. When we did those healing meetings on Friday night, the gifts would operate with faith. I could tell when the gifts were operating and when faith was operating. But tonight the Lord said, this is all about, this is not the gifts tonight, this is all about their faith. Tell them to believe and I will heal them. Praise God. Oh, I thank God for his healing power. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you praise one more time, Jesus, for lying, hanging on that cross and taking my sickness, taking my shame, taking my insecurity, taking my weakness, taking my mental torment, taking my cancer, my tuberculosis, my eyesight problems, my weakness, my blood diseases. You took it all on that cross. You hung with it for me. You bore it for me so that I would not have to bear it. You took it so that I could take my healing and I take it now. It's mine. I take it now. I lay hold the hand of faith and I lay hold of it. 
and I take it now, it's mine. I thank you that I'm healed, that I'm strong. Power is working in me. Oh, Jesus, thank you for purchasing my healing, and I thank you for dunamis power that's flowing in me tonight. I give you the praise, and I give you the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I give God praise for tonight. Thank you for coming. I know it wasn't a typical teaching Wednesday, but I know that it was what the Lord wanted. Hallelujah. So have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Those of you, oh my God, look at me. Those of you that are at home, look at me right now and stretch your hands toward that camera. If you're at home and you say, Pastor, don't leave me out. You've prayed, you've ministered to those people in person, but I don't, I don't want to be left out. Then right now, stretch your hands toward that screen right now that you're watching. Now, Lord Jesus, they're reaching out their hand as a, 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 like those that came forward was an act of faith. Lord, they lifted their hands as an act of faith. And Lord, they are reaching their hands out right now as an act of faith. In fact, everybody in this room, would you stretch your hands toward that camera back there? Lord Jesus, all of us release our faith for those ones at home, for those ones watching that are not here, that are in need of a healing and a cure. We release our faith in the name of Jesus. Now, brother, sister, reach out your hand as an act of faith and say, Lord Jesus, I'm releasing my faith right now that healing power will flow through me. There is no time or distance in the realm of the spirit so Lord I say in the name of Jesus everyone at home that is in need of healing body or mind that is releasing their faith that is stretching out their hand I say in Jesus name be healed right now be healed right now be healed right now in Jesus name I thank you for the transmission of healing power that goes right now in Jesus name and I give you praise for it. It goes into their bodies. Whether you're feeling something tangible or not does not really matter. What matters is your faith. And you just start to say with the rest of us, Lord, I thank you for healing power that's flowing in me right now. It's flowing in me right now. Now, when I was praying for you a second ago, I could feel that heat, that glow of heat, that electricity, which is that tangible sensation that God gives me at times. I could feel that coming out of my hand toward that camera. That means that power is flowing. When I said be healed three times, power was flowing at that moment. And if your faith is reached out to take it, it means that it's the same as if you were here tonight. It is no difference whatsoever whether you were here or whether you were there. Now, if you could have come, you should have come, but of course you couldn't because of our restrictions so God looks past that and he does not hold that against you that you're home because your faith reached out and took it and it's working in you it's working in you in Jesus name it's working in you now some of you at home and some of you here before you leave the service tonight do something check yourself do something you couldn't do before without pain not to see if you were healed because you know you are but to give action to your faith and just to say Lord thank you that it's working in me if you couldn't bend then bend if you couldn't shift if you couldn't do that then do that praise God why don't we stay why don't the rest of you that maybe you can't check it if it's an internal thing you can't but if you can right now stand up anybody here that can check it physically in the natural just stand up and move a little bit just stand up and do something as an act of faith Lord I thank you that it's working if you had pain going like this then start going like this if you had pain kicking your feet if you had pain going down on your haunches if you had pain bending your back whatever it is your neck whatever it is just start to do it as an act of faith praise God hallelujah and if it's not and if it's not 100% then just keep doing it and just keep saying Lord I thank you that it's working in me
Praise God. And it's working in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We shouldn't just have healing when a guest comes. Healing is the children's bread. Promise of lifers have a right to have healing whether there's a guest or not. And you have a right to have healing whether you're in church or not. And if I don't pray for you, you have a right for healing. And if you wake up at three in the morning and you've got symptoms on you, you have a right for healing. You reach out the hand of faith and say, Father, Jesus took it. I take it now by faith. It's mine. I take it now. I reach out the hand of faith and I let power flow into my body and drive this out of me. And if you'll do that, you'll find that you don't get sick. You might, the symptom may come, but it leaves as fast as it comes. That's what Dad Hagen said when he said, I've gone all these years. I've never been sick. He had lots of chances to, to, the sickness came on him many times, but it always left within, I think, two hours was the maximum. Usually an hour or less, all of the symptoms would go because he stood his ground. Doesn't mean he was never attacked. He was attacked many times, but it never laid hold of him. He was never up in bed, bedridden because it tried. And he said, no, you don't. Not on my property. Jesus took it for me. I, I say, no. Jesus, I received my healing. And immediately the symptoms would leave. Or within an hour, at the one time it took two hours. That was the longest it ever took in 70 years. He said he hadn't had a headache in 70 years. Isn't that wonderful? Most of us have headaches every day. Not most of us, some of us. But you don't have to have that. You have a right for healing. You don't go to some denomination that teaches you, God put it on you to teach you something. And then you just bear it and be humble. That's not, what, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what we teach. So you've got no excuse. Everybody in this church should be healed. You've got, including me. You've got no excuses. Neither do I. Praise God.